0: Because in the end, listen, church, in the end, if you succumb to the whims and the gravitational allure and pull of the American dream, here's what will happen eventually. If you pursue this anything more than Christ, you will realize in the end, this is not the dream that you always wanted. You thought you wanted it. You thought it would dull your pain and fill your void and provide a balm and a salve to the emptiness you have in your aching heart today. But in the end, you and I will realize this, that if we want anything more than Jesus, yes, including the American dream, we will wake up one day realizing that this is now the ultimate nightmare.
1: Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch.
0: Father, we come before you today. Oh God, we just simply need you in every area of our lives. God, we cry out to you, we humble ourselves in dire desperation right now, God, that by the illumination of the Holy Spirit that we would hear clearly, that we would see clearly, that we would walk in obedience like never before, oh God. So God, I pray you move me out of the way. God, to you be the praise for what you are about to do through the proclamation of your word. And we will be quick to give you all the praise, to give you all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to Jude. Uh, Today looking at Jude 20 through 23 as we continue in this series of battling for the truth, of grappling for the truth, wrestling, fighting for, contending for the faith, that was once for all delivered to the saints. And as we do that in this earthly life, that's not easy, and we're in a broken, fallen, depraved world. We live in these bodies of death that we want to please the Lord, but our minds and our hearts and our souls so many times don't want to do that, and yet we continue on. We stumble forward in the struggle. Well, today's title of this message is a question, I want you to write it down. The question is simply this, what are you building on? What are you building on? See, the reality is that we are all building on something. Our lives are being built brick by brick, day by day, moment by moment, on something. The question is, what are you building your life upon? If we're not building on Christ, we know the cliff notes to this story that it's all going to come crashing down. We know that if we are not building our life on God's word, that we will not know what's false because we don't know what's true, which is God's word. That we will get sucked into the cesspool of our culture and begin to get blown and tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's why we must be building our life on the Word, on Jesus Christ Himself, on the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. What are you building your life upon? King Jesus or the world? As we unpack this text together, I pray that we will see it afresh and new. And as Jude writes here, to the reader of his day, and to us, the reader of our day. Here's what is written in the holy word of God in Jude, verse 20. I pray that you follow along with me as I read this glorious text. Here's what Jude writes. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, look at verse 22. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Incredible, incredible text. For so many verses that we started way back in Jude, verse 1, and we saw that as he was leading into verse 3 to contend earnestly for the faith, he then went on this diatribe for all of these verses showing the characteristics of apostates, false teachers, those that are abandoning the faith, what it really looks like, so that we, the true believer, who's walking in holiness, we're not perfect, but we've been made perfect, we will be able to identify those false teachers, those apostates that are around us. Because we know this, that there are always tares among the wheat. That's just how this thing works. So as we look at this verse of 20, We see that Jude shifts gears. He radically shifts gears. He says, But you, beloved. Remember, he just got through going over what it means to be an apostate. And then he says, But you. Don't miss this. But you. In other words, you're not an apostate, you're different. You've been bought by the most precious blood that's ever been shed, Jesus Christ himself, and because you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, because your life is no longer your own, because you have been moved from the grip of darkness to the power of light, because you've been moved from the grip of Satan to the power of God, Judas saying here, but you. You don't live in this nonsense. You don't live in this foolishness. You don't live in this wickedness. Such were some of you, as Paul said. Such were some of you. You're different. Not behavior modification. Heart transformation. Not behavior modification. Heart rescue. Not behavior modification. A totally new life in Christ. And Jude says... But you, see, the question is: what are you building your life upon? Not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your neighbors, not your coworkers. What are you building your life upon? We're all building our lives upon something or someone. But you build up what? What does the text say? Look at your Bible. But you, beloved, building yourselves upon what? Your most holy faith. Building this constant and habitual increase, if you will. There's an increasing of the building. It's constant. It's perpetual. It's habitual. It's never ceasing. We continue to build upon this. We continue, how about this, to be sanctified. We continue in our earthly life to be made more like Christ. We are moving in that change to be conformed to His image for that final process of glorification, amen? We're building. What are you building on? Is there constant change towards Christ in your life? Are you perpetually and habitually becoming more like Jesus even in the midst of the stumbles and the fumbles and the mumbles and the grumbles, are you in the process of becoming more like Christ? See, faith and the faith of what it means to be a Christian, a true Christian, a true little Christ, These are the foundations that we cling to, that we hang on to, that we're tethered to, that we're anchored to, that we don't bend, we don't buckle, we don't break. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And don't miss that we increase on this and we increase in this. See, we increase on the faith. We build upon the faith, the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. The solid rock, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. We build on it, and we build in it as we move towards Christ. But what also do we do here in this first part of verse 20? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. We stand firm on it. We're constant. We're steadfast. And it also, the text says here, that we are praying in the Holy Spirit. We're praying. We are making supplications. We are praising. We are communicating with God. God. It's communication two way, where he does most of the talking and we do most of the listening, as one man said. And don't forget that prayer is just not this rub a dub dub, thanks for the grub, yay, God, that the culture says it is. We're not praying to the big man upstairs. We're not praying that Mother Nature will somehow turn the hurricane. No, we're praying to the great God of the Bible, the creator of the universe, the one that was before time began the One who gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, we pray to Him, and we pray to Him alone, and we go through the royal, righteous blood of Jesus. And as I've said before, we're not asking God to be conformed to our will. Oh, no, 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 no. We're pleading. We're pleading with desperation, with a fervency that, oh God, would you conform us to your will? Oh God, we're not asking you to conform to our will. We don't know what we're doing. God, we know you know what you're doing. Oh God, conform us to your will. Make us more like Jesus. Because the key to a life that is built up in the faith is a life that's praying in the Holy Spirit. There's no way to get around this. Again, we're just praying with such desperation, with groanings by the power of the Holy Spirit, that He intercedes for us. We don't even know what to pray many times, but we know this, that God, if you don't come through, God, if you don't come through, it's just not going to happen. We pray with such desperation, such fervency that we plead, oh God, bend us, oh God, break us. God, do what you need to do to accomplish your good will, for your good pleasure, for your great glory. And that's why key number one, write it down. Here it is, key number one, write it down in your notes. Here it is. In battling for the truth, My spiritual growth is dependent, don't miss that, on my desire to grow and by the Holy Spirit's enabling through prayer. Let me say that again. Key number one, write it down. You're going to need this at lunch. Here it is. In battling for the truth, Because remember, we're all in a battle. We're either battling for truth or we're battling against it. There's nowhere in between. In battling for the truth, my, personalize it, my spiritual growth is dependent, contingent upon. My desire, personalize it, my desire to grow and by the Holy Spirit's enabling, prayer see understand this church that the depth of or even your lack of your spiritual development your make it personal the depth or the lack of your spiritual development depends on you you can't blame your wife your husband your dog your friend your third cousin twice removed You can't blame anyone else. I can't blame anyone else for the lack of my spiritual development. It depends on me. Do I really want it? Am I really hungry for it? Have I really been saved? And therefore, if you and I have really been saved, there will be a hunger to grow spiritually, period. There's no way to get around this one. Oh, we can try to sugarcoat it and say, yeah, whatever. Raise a hand, say a prayer, do a cartwheel, sign a card, get dunked. You got the fire insurance. But if there's not a hunger to grow in Christ, if there's not a thirst to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, in my life, if those things are not there, we need to go back and check this salvation experience. Because at the end of the day, we really do what we want to do, don't we? Isn't that the truth? Man, if I really want to do something, I will crawl over glass to get there. But if I don't want to do something, I'll find every reason why I shouldn't be doing it. Listen, church, we will never stumble into building ourselves up in the faith through prayer, through the Holy Spirit by accident. We just don't accidentally get there. How did I get here? I don't know. No, there is an intentional effort in this. Not for salvation. We're saved by grace alone, Ephesians 2. It's by grace we've been saved. But here's where the disconnect happens. So many people who aren't really saved think they are saved because they made some profession, external profession, that wasn't real. They never really gave their heart to the Lord. They just did all this external stuff that goes on. We're told by someone, now you've been saved. They believe they're saved, and yet the reality is they're not saved because their life is still their own. See, that's why we must crush and smash anything that we want more than God. Any of those idols Today, we got to crush and smash these. we got to get rid of these. Anything that we want more than God. And that's why here we believe in the Word. Because we know it's the Word that will illuminate. We know it's the Word that God speaks through that will speak to my heart and speak to your heart exactly right where we are in the personal indwelling, respectable sins that we all struggle with, that we all have hidden. And we're saying, look, man, I'm going to continue to do this stuff. No one will know. But the Word of God is the great revealer. It's the great magnifier. It's the most potent potent flashlight you can get because it's a light unto my path. It's a lamp unto my feet. And there's times that it lights up my path and it lights up where I'm going with my feet and I see very clearly that I'm not walking where I need and should be walking. I mean, you got to understand, every Sunday I have a relatively small window a relatively small window compared to the 10,080 minutes that you have every week. Every Sunday, I have a relatively small window compared to the 10,080 minutes that you have every week. And in this small window, I plead with myself, I plead with you, from the truth of God's Word, to not fall into this trap of pursuing the American dream. Because in the end, listen church, in the end, if you succumb to the whims and the gravitational allure and pull of the American dream, here's what will happen eventually. If you pursue this anything more than Christ, you will realize in the end this is not the dream that you always wanted. You thought you wanted it. You thought it would dull your pain and fill your void and provide a balm and a salve to the emptiness you have in your aching heart today. But in the end, you and I will realize this, that if we want anything more than Jesus, yes, including the American dream, we will wake up one day realizing that this is now the ultimate nightmare. And it will be the ultimate nightmare that we always feared. It looks so good. It looks so alluring. It looks so satisfying. And yet we unwittingly exchange the truth of God for the lie. Question for you and me today. What are we building our lives upon? Is it Jesus Or is it the world? We can't do both. We're truly only living for one or the other. How about you? I mean, really, can you think about it? Just picture this for a moment. Can you imagine living a life that was a charade? You said you were building your life on Christ but the reality is that you haven't been and you currently are not building your life on Christ. And can you imagine that on that day when you stand face to face with God, that all you had to show Him, all you had to show Him is your big house in the gated community. All you had to show Him is your big fat retirement account. All you had to show Him is your luxury car with the hood ornament. All you have to show them is the sailboat down at the beach. All you had to show them are endless hours worked at the office that's overlooking the beach, the ocean, the lake, the downtown square. That's all you had to show them. And the reality is the only thing that God wants to know from you is what did you do with my son Jesus, who is called the Christ? See, my goal, my fervent goal, is that when we open the Word of God, when we unpack it together, I pray that you are riveted and glued to the Word. I pray that you are riveted and glued to God Himself. I pray, oh, I pray with fervency even right now that you are riveted and glued by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as the Word goes forth with power, as it goes forth with dynamite, oh, I pray that if you don't do it physically, I pray that you're doing it metaphorically, that you want to stand to your feet, that you want to rise up. And as you look to the cross of Jesus Christ, when you see what He did for you, when you see that the tomb is forever empty, that Jesus conquered sin and death and the grave could not hold our King, I pray that when you see that, that you begin to rise to your feet and say, that's who I want. I want Jesus more than anything else. I want to serve him with my life. I want to make a difference. Oh, I don't want to get to the end with regrets. I want to live a life to cross the finish line, to hear, well done, now good and faithful servant. What are you building your life upon? Jesus? Or is the truth, you're building it upon the world? Write these supporting verses down that will encourage and strengthen you this week. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. As Dr. Luke writes, Paul is exhorting the Ephesian elders. And he says this in verse 32 of 20 of Acts. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able, don't miss this church, to build you up, here we go, and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Did you catch that? See, it's the word of His grace that's able to build us up To increase us in strength. And not only that, but give us an eternal inheritance because we're sanctified. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 3? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. It says this, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth for no other foundation, don't miss that, none other, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid. Which is Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? There is no other foundation. We are all building on something. If you are building your life on anything other than Jesus, you are not only building on sinking sand, and great will be the ruin of that fall, but right here in 1 Corinthians, that backs us up even more because it says this there is no other foundation. How about Romans chapter 8 verse 26? Romans 8:26 about praying in the spirit. Likewise the spirit capital S also helps in our weaknesses. Praise God, amen. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the spirit himself awesome makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Is that not awesome? I alluded to this earlier. Man, when we are pounding on the door of heaven and our hearts are so stirred, there are times that we don't even know what to pray. We're just fervently pleading with God, communicating vertically to God, and the Holy Spirit comes on the scene and he pleads and intercedes for us with groanings. And then, how about lastly, Ephesians 6? Write it down Ephesians 6 18. We love Ephesians 6, don't we, parents? Amen? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And some of you parents got that embroidered all over your home. You got it cross-stitched. You got it imprinted on Q-tips, peanut butter jars, the whole deal, right? But we forget about Ephesians 6, 1, and then following. The spiritual war, the spiritual armor. How about verse 18? Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, capital S, being what? Watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Do you see this? That we're praying in the Spirit. We're not bending. We're not buckling. We're not breaking. We are depending, knowing this confidently, knowing confidently that all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Because there's no other foundation. None. If you're building your life on anything other than Jesus today, you will fail. You will fall. And the ruin of your life and the catastrophe of those that you damage in your wake as you plow through the waters of life will be vast, far-reaching, and sometimes irreparable in this life. Question, what are you building your life upon? Look at verse 21. After Jude implores to build ourselves up in the faith and prayer, he now pleads us to do this in 21. Keep yourselves, he says, In the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. He's not saying here to keep your eternal salvation. Only God can do that. Matter of fact, the Word tells us this, that once we are truly His, once we have truly given our life to Him, and it's real, not false, it's real, the word says this, that we are sealed for the day of redemption. But Jude is saying this to keep, to attend to carefully, to guard, to keep your eye upon, to hold fast, keep yourself in this vein. We're alert, right? 1 Peter 5 8 tells us this be sober, be vigilant. Why? Your devil, the adversary, he prowls around, he prowls, he's cunning. He's quiet. He's deceptive. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. The enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not your buddy. He's not your friend. He wants to take you out, your family out, and everyone else out with you. But we stand tall for Jesus Christ. Keep yourself in what, as I already alluded to? Your own strength? No. Your talents? Wrong. Oh, okay. Your bank account? No. What do you keep yourself in? Well, here it is. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This love, this agape of theos, This love that loves in spite of. See, God loves you and he loves me not because of what we do for him, but he actually loves us in spite of what we do for him. Now, that's crazy junk right there, isn't it? How many of you today have a list of people that you just love in spite of what they do for you? Be honest, don't lie, you're in church. That's just not part of our DNA, is it? I mean, if we're truthful, if we're honest, So often we love people because of what they're doing for us. And God's love is, I love you in spite of what you do. I gave my only begotten son. I will make you worthy as you just repent and surrender and turn your life over to me. And I will make all things new, God says. And how does he do this? Again, it's through Jesus. And Jude says right here, looking for the mercy. Looking. We are what? We are literally receiving to ourselves. We are expecting with great hope this mercy, this redeeming power of Jesus. See, that's why key number two is so important. Write it down in your notes. Here it is. Key number two. Don't miss this. In battling for the truth, I must remain anchored in the love and mercy of God through Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Key number two. Write it down. In battling for the truth, I must, non-negotiable, I must remain anchored, tethered to riveted to, glued to in the love and mercy of God. How? Through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus really is the great chain breaker, amen? We can't do this. Dead people don't make themselves alive. That's what God does is he works in our hearts and he illuminates that we're broken and we're dead and we need the righteous royal blood of Jesus. And yet as he does that, For the true believer, you give away what you do possess. That's just part of this equation. When it's real in your life, you joyfully give that away. You want to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's part of your new mission. But if you're hanging on to your life and the salvation experience is not true, it's false, it's all a big charade and a big scam, well, the reality is here's what happens You don't want to give this away. You want to hang on to your life. You don't want to make disciples. And therefore, here's the deal. When it's not real, you really can't give away that which you yourself do not truly possess. And yet here's a trap from the enemy. Don't miss this. Here's a trap for the enemy, for me and for you. Just because we're doing things for Jesus doesn't mean we are becoming more like Jesus. Let me say that again. Here's a trap. It's a pit full of quicksand. It's a false floor with that trap door that once you stand on it, there's no more. Goodbye. Just because we are doing things for Jesus doesn't necessarily mean we're becoming more like Jesus. Let me ask it this way. As I asked myself this past week in preparation, but let me ask you, do you even care that your life counts for eternity while you're here on this earth? Do you even care? There are people, perhaps yes, even in this room, who will resolutely, who will doggedly who will insist and declare they are a Christian, a little Christ, and yet there are people, perhaps in this room, who have zero desire to obey God, zero, and have never once, never once shared the gospel. How does this happen? I'll tell you how this happens. This happens because it was a false conversion. When it is real, when it is true, when the blinders and the scales have really been removed, I'm talking truly been removed, you now begin to see clearly, you now begin to live clearly, and you now have this hunger and this thirst to make it your aim to please God. And part of pleasing God and living for God is making disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus. How do we do that? We go and tell the good news. We share the good news. What is the good news? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's your personal testimony. If you've truly been converted, you have a testimony. You're able to share verbally and more importantly with the actions of your life that you are no longer this person. You have been truly crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but now it's Christ that lives within me. And yet so many people all over our country today, right now, profess Jesus, say they're saved, and yet have zero desire to live for him, zero desire to obey him, and zero desire to go make disciples. That make disciples, you know what that is? That's cultural Christianity, and the real name for it is utter delusion. See, when it's real, church, when it's real, you want nothing more than Jesus. When it's real, you want to make a difference. When it's real, you want to live all the days of your life to move the needle, to go win the loss at any cost, to live every breath for His glory. How about you? Question. What are you building your life on? Jesus or the world? I love what Paul said in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. He says this, verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope. I love that. And glorious appearing. Are you getting the picture painted? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, I love this. See the reality is we're all looking somewhere. Question today is, where are you looking? If you're not looking to Christ, if you're not tethered to Christ, if you're not riveted to Christ, if you're not anchored to Christ, if you're not glued to Christ, during the challenges of life, you will bend, you will buckle, you will break, you will fold. Look to Jesus today and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Isaiah 45. Verse 22, where are you looking? To Jesus or the world? Now it's interesting here in verses 22 and 23 as we journey our way back towards the finish line, Jude changes course. And he shows us in these verses That we are to implore people. We are to implore people to be reconciled to God, to implore them. And yet, this is not a cookie cutter approach. We must be on our guard against the pitfalls, the heresy of so much modern evangelism with this one size fits all mentality. Just get them to pray the prayer, close the deal. Tell them they're in. If we're not careful, we're actually ushering them into a godless hell because they've never truly repented from anything. They've never truly turned from anything. We just said, hey, we just said, hey, who wants to be saved? Who wants to go to heaven? You'd have to be out of your mind to say no. I mean, who would really say no to an offer to be rescued and saved, to go to heaven, and it costs you nothing? You can hang on to your life, hang on to all your sin, just continue, just live in delusion, blame it on everyone else, call everyone else a Pharisee, call everyone else a hypocrite when they stand for truth. Man, this is what you're going to do. No, you don't. It's not the Word of God. It's deception. That's built on lies. So what does Jude say in our final two verses of 22 and 23? Well, here's what he says. As the Holy Spirit inspires. 22, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. Notice he said some, not all. This word compassion is very clear. It just simply means this, to have mercy upon. Very interesting. In the preceding verses, we are to look to the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. And here on some, we are to have compassion, to have mercy. But we have to make this distinction. We have to separate is what he says. We have to literally prefer. Well, what is he saying here? Well, let's expound on this together. Key number three, write it down. Key number three, in battling for the truth, some people, some, are one, W-O-N, to Christ through compassion. Let me say this again. Key number three, in battling for the truth, some people are one, W-O-N, To Christ through compassion. See, the reality is, you know this, I don't have to tell you this, I'm gonna say it anyway. We live in a broken, fallen, depraved, sinful world. Broken people break people, wounded people wound people, hurting people hurt people. That's how this thing works. And yet, some people, through the inspiration and illumination of the Holy Spirit, will give their lives to Christ truthfully as the Holy Spirit uses comfort and mercy to open their eyes, to open their hearts, to open their minds. But yet verse 23, the next verse says this, but others. So verse 22, on some have compassion, making the distinction, making the difference, separating But 23 says this, But on others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Boy, this takes a turn and spins it on his head, doesn't it? See, but on others, there's another group here. And what do we do? They need to be saved with fear. They need to be saved, rescued from this danger, from this destruction. They need to be preserved from what? The fear, the phobos, where we get our English word phobia, this dread, this terror. They need to be pulled from this fire. They need to be seized, snatched right out of the fire. How? Hating, detesting, even the garment defiled by the flesh. See, in other words, this, we all need to avoid sin at all costs, amen? And from a scriptural basis, we must abstain from all of these fleshly lusts that war against the soul, 1 Peter 2.11. And what do we do? We avoid even the appearance of evil, 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Well, what about on a practical basis? Here's the cliff notes for me and for you. Don't play patty cake with sin. Don't play patty cake with sin. If you and I play patty cake with sin, eventually it will begin to play patty cake with us. And as the old saying goes, and it's so, so true, sin will take us farther than we ever wanted to go. Sin will keep us far longer than we ever wanted to stay. And yet, don't miss this sin will require a price far greater than we ever wanted to pay. See, verse 23 has a very important key. But on others, you've got to save with fear. Oh, we don't do the saving, God does. But God uses us as instruments to implore people, be reconciled to God. And sometimes we do with mercy, verse 22. Other times we say, look, dude, man, you're driving off a cliff. Like you're going and the bridge is out. I know you think you're heading in a good direction. I know that you think what you're doing through this sinful lifestyle is gonna bring you what you've always longed for in your hurting, aching heart. But buddy, let me tell you this. You don't realize it, but once you get to the top of that hill and that bridge, the bridge is out. You can't see it, but your life is gonna go over that bridge and you're gonna take many people with you. See, that's why key number four, write it down. Here it is, our last key. In battling for the truth, some people are won. W-O-N, to Christ through an urgent warning. Let me say that again. Key number four, our last key. In battling for the truth, some people are one, won. W-O-N, to Christ through an urgent warning. See, the coddle and comfort approach doesn't always work. There are some folks that after a duration of compassion simply need to be stirred and convicted. Again, here's the cliff notes. After coddling and comforting and trying that approach, there are some people it just won't work with long-term. And what they really need is a loving kick in the pants. They say, look, you are headed in the wrong direction. And if you continue this, you will destroy your life, your family's life, your children's lives. You will have mass destruction and carnage because we know from God's word that when we build on anything other than a solid rock, all other ground is sinking sand. And the word of God tells us this, that the ruin of that house, the ruin of that heart, the run of that life, the run of that family, the run of that church will be great. And the damage will be catastrophic. And sometimes it won't be repaired in this life. See, some, there are others, verse 23, there are others that will give their lives to Christ as they are lovingly rebuked. I think Spurgeon said this so well in this quote. He painted a glorious picture of not standing by with the twiddling our thumbs mentality, of not sitting on our hands and just waving goodbye. But here's what Spurgeon said the prince of preachers. There are times when the saints must be fed. And there are times when the sinners must be warned. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with their arms wrapped around their knees imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for, end quotes. See the irony here, church, is that for those whose hearts are hardened, they're calloused, they're stiff-necked, the way in which you actually do show compassion Is to love them enough to rebuke them. I mean, how much do we really have to hate people who are living in such darkness and we've tried to coddle, we've tried to comfort? How much do we have to hate them to not speak truth into their lives? You say, okay, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit, can you give me an example? I'm glad you asked. Write down 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 through 5. Here's an example of a stern warning to those who have hardened their hearts through the deceitfulness of sin. And here in this instance, specifically unrepentant sexual sin. The context here is that a man has taken up with his father's wife now here's what Paul says. Paul's admonition as the Holy Spirit inspires him to speak and to write this. 1 Corinthians 5, 4-5, through five, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, here's verse 5, don't miss this, Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, did you catch that? Literally, turn them over to Satan. Hey, look, we're going to turn you over to Satan with a loving rebuke that our prayer is this, that we love you so much, that we pray that as we turn you over to Satan, that we pray that your eyes and your heart and your mind will finally be illuminated and you'll no longer walk in darkness. But that's hard to do, isn't it? And yet, according to verse 23 of Jude, but with others, you got to do just that. You got to save with fear. You do it out of love. You do it with tears. You do it because you see the error of their way and you want them to walk in truth and holiness. Because the reality is we are all building our life on something. How about you? What are you building your life upon? See, that's why the takeaway question is simply this. Write it down, the takeaway question. And I want you to make it personal. I'm going to make it personal. Here it is. Do I desire to daily obey God and His Word. Write it down and ask yourself, do I desire, make it personal, do I desire, do I hunger for, is there a thirst for this? To daily obey God. To daily obey His Word. See, the reality is there are not too many traffic jams on the highway pursuing obedience to God. There's plenty of room out there. And yet if we are not seeking to obey God, if you are here today and you are not seeking to obey God, you are playing a dangerous game with your soul. A dangerous game. And if that is you here today, I implore you, be reconciled to Him today. Don't play with God. That's a game you will never win. Give your life to God. Surrender to Him today and begin to walk in freedom and joy and contentment, even in the midst of the storms of life. And that's why the action step is so pivotal. Here's the action step. Write it down. I will daily seek to submit to God's leading and not my own. Here it is again, the action step. Write it down. I will daily seek to submit to God's leading and not my own. Boy, those are big boy words, aren't there? I mean, we don't want to submit to anyone except our own selfish desires, amen? But the reality is when our life is truly no longer our own, that is our new aim in life. We want to submit doesn't mean we always do it. Oh, we stumble and we fail, but I pray we're stumbling forward. I pray we're stumbling towards obedience. I pray we're stumbling towards holiness. I pray we're stumbling towards righteousness in Jesus. I pray we're stumbling and stumbling forward in such a way that yes, we want Christ and we want him more than anything else. Because the question is simply, what are you building your life upon today? The solid rock of Jesus or the sinking sand of the world? Are you building your life on the solid rock of our Lord Jesus Christ, King Jesus? There's no other king. There's only one king and his name is Jesus Christ. Are you building your life truthfully on him? Because if you're truthfully not building your life on Jesus, you're building your life on the world. And if you're building your life on the world, you're building your life on sinking sand, and great will be your fall. Because A.W. Pink said it so well. It's not the absence of sin, but the grieving over it, which distinguishes the child of God from empty professors. Let me read that again. A.W. Pink. It's not the absence of sin, but the grieving over it, which distinguishes the child of God from empty professors. Are you contending for the faith, or is the reality you're pretending for the faith? Oh, I pray today that God will speak into our hearts, and as He speaks, Oh, I pray this very moment, our desire will be to do nothing but trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Father, we come before you today with open arms, palms up. Our lives are no longer our own. We're a living sacrifice to you. God, cause us right now to repent from any indifference to You, from any indifference to Your Word, from any indifference to Your glory, from any indifference to Your praise. Oh God, I pray right now, move us, make us, shake us like only You can, oh God, and we'll be quick to give You the praise, to give You the glory. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus. Amen. Amen.